0: This program on AM 1170, The Answer, is sponsored by Allied Media Group. Welcome to the Andrea Kay Show. She's blonde, five foot two, and one hundred seven pounds of dynamite in a dress. Here she is, Andrea Kay.
1: Bonsoir mes amis, bienvenue à l'émission de Radio Decay, Andrea. Je m'appelle Andrea Kay, mais je suis American. Actually, don't change that dial, folks. Yes, this is the Andrea Kay Show with Monsieur Blanc, my favorite French professor. If he heard that right now, he'd say, oh, c'est une horrible. But the reason why I wanted to open my show à la Française tonight is because... As the Islamic terror attacks happened in Paris, and by the way, this is the Andrea K. Show right here on AM 1170, The Answer KCBQ. And I almost neglected, since I started in French, I almost neglected to let everybody know and give a shout out that I'm sharing the booth tonight with Monsieur DJ Carrot steaks
2: As the saying goes, this is a pretty kettle of donuts. <laughs> <laughs>
1: anyway, welcome to the Andrea Kay Show. Um, but as I was saying, immediately after the Paris attacks last week, you know, Americans started doing what we do. You know, we lock arms in solidarity with and, and, with our fellow man. Anybody who's suffering, this is that's part of our American culture and what we do. And so, of course, Facebook profile pics were changed to the French flag, and we had Eiffel Tower peace signs posted everywhere. And just like after Charlie Hebdo attacks, uh, Je suis Paris sprang up everywhere. And, you know, that, that's wonderful. I think it's incredible, the outpouring of love that the American people give to others. Um, but I specifically didn't change my profile pic this time, I didn't start hashtagging Je suis Paris this time because we have become a nation that so much wants to just, and I think a lot of it has to do with social media, but other factors as well. We've become such a bumper sticker society that these feel good platitudes have become to replace action in this country. And I didn't want to do that. Because you know what was another platitude that was beautiful and so heartfelt that really just brought solidarity to all Americans as well as around the world was the platitude of never forget. Remember never forget? Remember that, Mr. DJ Carrot Sticks? Yeah. Yeah. Never forget. And now every anniversary, it's all over everywhere, social media with flags, and I think it's wonderful. But the problem is, we obviously have forgotten. Of course we've forgotten, because after this happened immediately after this happened in Paris, people started hand wringing here. Oh my gosh. Oh, th- this could happen here. W- what if this happened here? And I'm thinking, are you kidding me? How are these words? I, I was shocked at the shock of people who, upon seeing this happen in Paris, started getting scared that it was going to happen here. I'm thinking, are you kidding me? Because it was a suicide vest or some Kalishnikovs there as opposed to slow cookers in Boston. It was something different. What? Are you kidding me? Because it was a suicide vest and not a plane loaded with fuel on September 11th. It wasn't a terror attack. It wasn't the same. We've already been attacked here many, many times. In fact, even before September 11th, when the towers brought down, those same towers were attacked once before by uh, the blind shake actually was was behind that. And actually, even before that, we had the Beirut Barracks. We had the Cobart Towers. We had the USS Cole that was attacked. So why in the world do we have any American shock that that's happened there and and getting concerned that it might happen here? On the fifth anniversary of 9-11, I was in D.C. and I interviewed a man who was a Muslim professor at uh, American University. And he said to me, he said, the terrorists are in a war against Western civilization. He said, don't you people think Don't you think at all? Well, heck, no Americans aren't thinking because they turned right around two years later and elected Obama into office. A man who wrote in his book that I will stand with the Muslims should the winds change in an ugly direction. And they have. And guess what he has done? That same man has done everything that he could to Islamicize America. In fact, in 08, he did a campaign speech with the Muslim Brotherhood on the front row. This was a man who was raised by Muslims. We weren't allowed to ask about it. and Now you know why. Everything he's done has been to Islamicize us, to enable and embolden the enemy. And then America turned right around and reelected him after. Americans died due to his foreign policy, died being abandoned and set up for death, actually, for an Islamic terror attack win on 9-11. So, Americans, I don't want to hear this. Never forget anymore. I'm tired of platitudes. I want action. You know, I, I, I you know, in getting back to language in terms of French, I mean, I, I really, you know, wore out the extent of my French these days. I mean, I spent five years immersed in French. I love the French people. I spent so much time studying French and all things French that literally at one point, if you spoke to me in English, I translated it in my head if you, it, it, to French. I thought like a French person. I have, a, a, my, a, my bedroom is decorated for French. I love the French people. Please don't misunderstand me. Because when I came out and said, je suis American, I got attacked on Twitter by some people and, and, and on Facebook, saying that I was inhumane because I said, I stand with America. But you know why I have to stand with America? Because I don't want us to be, I love the French, but I love America more. And I don't want America to go down the same road that France and the rest of Europe has gone. I have been begging people for years to read a book called "While." Europe slept because what they did and what we're in the process of doing right now is through multiculturalism through an, an abandonment of their own cultures and their own sovereignty. They courted and they invited in this ideology. They invited them in over there. And then like typical liberals, they put them in outlying areas so they wouldn't have to look at them and bump up against them. Gave them massive entitlement programs, allowed them. Of course they didn't assimilate into society because it, Islam is about conquest. It's about submission. So as they grew and they began to take over in the entire European continent, countries like France decided to push back and try to regain a little bit of their sovereignty. And now you can see what's happening. So, you know, I'm not going to kick them when they're down and do like, you know, Reverend Wright and say the chickens have come home to roost. But the reality is is like language, if you don't use it, you lose it. If you don't protect your freedoms and if you don't protect what your country's about, you're gonna lose it. And that's what's gonna happen here. We face an, a war of ideology on two fronts, actually. One is the Islamists who want to take us over from within in two different ways. There's two forms of jihad. I've talked about this many times. One is is jihad through you know acts of terror like this, and the other is in the form of creeping Sharia, kind of like what's happened in Europe. To where they, they come in and they take over and they force you to, you know, to accommodate them until they eventually, you know, take over your country, replace your political system with theirs. But the other ideology that's that's tandem to this is the ideology of liberalism, the multiculturalism. Look at what Obama said today. That wasn't just about him, him being a Muslim. It's also about him being a Marxist when he said, you know, I don't want to do anything that's going to, you know, make America look like they're winning or have it be about America. You know, it's, it's part of this one world government. It's about the destruction of American culture. That's a huge part of it. And one of the ways we saw that play out is with these yahoos in Yale and Mizzou last week, you know, was, you know trying to deny people their First Amendment rights. Our freedoms are at stake. Everything about American, cult, everything about American culture is at, is at stake and in, in, in being assaulted and what america needs to do is say you know what i stand with america our culture is being stripped apart by cultural marxism not just you you, it, you so many different fronts that's what ferguson was about that's what baltimore was about that's what I, I if i had a kid he would look like trayvon martin that's what that was about it's all cultural marxism meant to take us over from within and the partnering of the far-left progressives marxist with the islamist ultimately, to gain control over America. And what we need to do is we need to get off of this one world government crap. We need to get back to being to our culture, get back to what made America the greatest nation in the world. And one of the things that made us the greatest nation in the world is we didn't apologize for winning. We didn't apologize for the fact that we had the biggest, the baddest, the most fierce military on the face of the earth that everybody was afraid of that's what we need to get back to we need to stop apologizing for who we are and take our nation back and prevent here from it becoming like europe so i've got a great show tonight i hope you i hope you think it's a great show because coming on to talk about every bit of this to talk about the refugee situation you know because over the weekend big news broke about these syrian refugees hey if if ISIS was so contained, Obama. Why the crisis? Why we got to take in all these refugees, by the way? But we got Scott McKay uh, from Louisiana calling in because that was the big story over the weekend after the Paris attacks was the refugees being dumped into NOLA. We're going to talk about military strategy with Major General Bob Scales. We're going to talk about right now. Everybody's wanting to know where their elected officials and people running for office, where they stand on this threat. So we've got a man who's running for Barbara Boxer seat, Tom Del Beccaro, coming back on the show tonight. He's been on before. And the first time on the Andrea Kay Show tonight, we have Wayne Allen Root. I know a lot of y'all out there know who he is, really well known, a political pundit. He's going to be on the show to talk about Trump. And he believes that some people are saying, hey, Trump's out now because, you know, he doesn't have enough experience in foreign policy. Um, Wayne Allen Root thinks that this is basically just going to support Trump. And so we're going to talk to him about that. So, hey, don't change that dial because we've got a lot coming up on The Andrea K Show right here on AM 1170, The
3: Answer. Be sure to follow Andrea Kay on Twitter at Andrea Kay Show and follow her on Facebook and like her fan page at Andrea K Kay, spelled K-A-Y-E.
1: Want to start living better, longer? LaVita Compounding Pharmacy can help. Proudly improving the lives of over 10,000 patients, preparing personalized medications with the highest care, quality, and safety. Voted Union Tribune's best local pharmacy, LaVita specializes in bioidentical hormones, prescription skin care, transdermal pain creams, and more. Let us help you find the path to living better, longer. Visit us at LaVitaRx.com or call 866-507-1990. Glad to have you all here with me. Don't really know how I'm gonna work in some little disco tunes into the theme for tonight. Thank you, Monsieur Carrot Sticks, for that. Y'all know I love a smooth groove. I love something that makes me want to dance. So that's gonna keep me in a good mood tonight. You know, as I'm talking about all things serious. Hey, before the break, I was talking about um, how we've forgotten. You know how we love these platitudes as America. Um, and I'm, I'm all for things that are going to make us feel good, but I'm, I, you know, I'm also, I'm somebody who's into biting, not barking. Okay. You know, I, get it done. That's where I come from. And I'm glad to see that at, at least, you know, it, at least Americans are, are, are wanting some action to be done to stop some of it from expanding here. I think there's a, a major denial factor going on in terms of the extent of the threat that we face, the extent of which it's already here. Uh, reports came out over the weekend about refugees landing in New Orleans. And at first I, I was kind of mad that people were kind of hysterical over it because I was like, are you kidding me? Let's say let's say a thousand of them, you know, were dumped into NOLA over the weekend. It's a drop in the bucket compared to the ones who are already here. You know, we need America." to just stop playing catch up and get on board with with where we're actually already at. But at least if we got some action going on to keep us, you know, make, taking some steps towards keeping us safe. I'm happy about that. I haven't really stayed up on because I was kind of aggravated. I didn't really stay up on the extent of the refugee situation, particularly in NOLA. But I got a buddy on the line who's up on the situation. He is Scott McKay from the Hayride. Hey, Scott, welcome back to the Andrea K Show.
0: Howdy. How's it going?
1: It's good. How's that bingle doing?
0: Oh, yeah. I have a dog who's a year old. He's a boxer and he's rambunctious. Uh-huh. And he's currently sleeping on my bed, which is a good thing because if he wasn't, then he'd probably be harassing me while I'm talking to you.
1: <laughs> hey, I met the bingle. Remember last time I was down in yes, BR? She did. Yeah, I yes, dog. Um, So what's the reality? Because people were really upset. Like a day after what's happening in Paris, to suddenly find out that in NOLA we've got—I mean, the initial reports were ten thousand, but I'm thinking—I'm well, okay. thinking—how come I don't know that about this? Because if ten thousand were dropped down in the French Quarter, I would—my phone would have been blown up all day long.
0: Okay, look, let's 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 get the absolute truth of this thing down pat. Ten thousand is the number that's currently being contemplated nationwide to bring these people in, although. A lot of people think that the number is going to be much bigger than 10,000 if Obama gets his way, because the, the Democrats are actually talking about bringing in 100,000. So. Until that happens, we'll talk about 10,000. The actual number in Louisiana is like 14, but everybody thinks it's going to be way more than that before they're, they're all said and done. And the interesting thing is, is one of the 14 was moved to Baton Rouge and he's already gone. Like, they don't know where he is. So Oh, geez. Uh, yeah, no problem, right? These people have all been really vetted and, right. and you know, yeah um,
1: yeah uh-huh i'm i would like you know, to think don't, that, don't
0: think for a second that they're all you know military age males or anything you know but you guys have nothing to worry about. But, <laughs> yeah
1: i saw some um, pictures of one of them down there the dude looked like you know he had been spending you know 100 hours a week in gold's gym it's like are you kidding these,
0: me these guys are not starving like none of them they look You know, they look like they're in the exact same general physical fitness as a normal American is. Okay, I mean, these are these are people that uh, if anything, they're economic migrants. They're looking for, you know, better jobs than they can get in Syria. Um, But, you know, the whole political refugee thing, I think, is overblown. And the reason for that is that so many of them get to Europe and they find out that they're not even Syrians. Right. Right. They're Afghans or they're Sudanese. You know, you can really mistake a Sudanese for a Syrian Uh, or they're Somalis, which is just as bad. Or they're from Yemen or, you know, some of these places that you couldn't get into America from directly from that country or or even to Europe from Mm -hmm. directly from those countries. So they go to Syria and they find somebody who will dump them up some you know some papers and then they get on a boat and they go to Greece and then from there they make their way you know wherever actually and they get
1: on a yacht and go to Greece because well, there's been reports I mean it, like. it's, it's really expensive to get these people moved around how did the how did these 14 and why 14 it's like you know what if you're gonna bring them here how about some economies of scale you know why are we you know put them all, put them all on one boat so we don't have to pay transport like how many different times I mean this is ridiculous why 14 and where's the women and children?
0: I right. like those questions I can't answer, but there was a list. And this is when when our site did reporting on this at the beginning of the month. And of course, you know, this as soon as Paris hits, like everything we've ever written about Syrian migrants just went ballistic. And we've got more traffic going on our site than like ever. But, Congrats. Um, everything that everything that we've uh, been able to to uh, To come up with this uh, on this subject. There's a list of 180 cities, you know, three of which are in Louisiana, where, like, they're going to process these people through, okay? Um, and, you know, that list, there's something. In every every state, you've got a city where they're processing these people through. And, you know, they're using non-governmental organizations as vendors. Probably the biggest one is Catholic Charities, which is a wonderful organization that has, like, a really awful record of bringing well they're not they're not bringing these people in the government is bringing these people in catholic charities goes and resettles them and they're doing wonderful work the problem is we're bringing in people who are not assimilable to america right and the perfect explanation of that comes from you know our experience with somalia I mean, if you go to Minneapolis, Minnesota or Lewiston, Maine or Murfreesboro, Tennessee, which are the three big places they brought in Somalis and and relocated them, what you see is it's a population of people that they're all on welfare because where they came from is so different from the American economy and, you know, the need for skilled labor and this kind of stuff. These people have, you know, I mean, like these are people that don't know what a bank account is. You bring them in and then you give them a welfare check and they Like they don't know what they don't know what else to do. There's no value to Um, America
1: for these people to be brought here, and if if, you know, they don't have the ability to
0: assimilate into society. Right? No, they don't have the ability
1: to assimilate. The Best case is they don't have the ability to assimilate to assimilate economically. And there's no reason why we there's billions of billions of poor people around the world. Why these particular people being brought here that are poor? You know, why not bring you know the poor Christian people here who can assimilate into our society? Best case they can't assimilate economically worst case we've got the Sarnayevs. you did well, you did a, you right, did a blog post about um, all the refugees that have been brought here supposedly the, the Sarnayevs were brought here because they were going to be politically oppressed and they were brought here for the same reason that these right. supposed Syri- Syrian refugees are brought here and and we know what happened in Boston but you did an article about other examples of that that I didn't even know about
0: Well, I mean, yeah. And um, there, you know, we're bringing in people from conflict zones that largely involve two sides, both of which are not friendly to America. Okay. Right. Um, And so either way, you bring people in and they don't. You know, like they're not going to assimilate uh, to America uh, from from a cultural standpoint, a religious standpoint, economic standpoint, whatever have you. I mean, these are people that, you know, are, are the same as the unassimilable people that they're having such a problem with in Europe. Right. And, you know, America is an easier place to get absorbed into the culture than the Europeans are, because those are all countries that are based on an ethnic identity and we're not. But you can come from a culture that is so far apart from American culture that, you know, you're really a problem. If you're if you're a Muslim who believes in Sharia law and you turn on an American television, right, and you're watching American mm-hmm. TV programming, like right. you're not going to take well to that. I mean, a lot of. People who are religious Christians look at network TV and go, God, this is filth. It's awful. Mm -hmm. Well, take a Sharia Muslim and put them in front of that. They're going to want to bomb something because they're so offended by the entire culture they're immersed in. Okay? Mm -hmm. Right. And if you're fresh off the boat from a Sharia Muslim country, uh, then it's really going to be a problem. I mean, one of the things, I can't remember the guy's name. It was, uh, his last name is Kotb. And he was the founder, basically, of the Mo- Muslim Brotherhood. Mm-hmm. And this guy went to college in America, went to Colorado State, and it radicalized him as a as a uh, you know as a Salafist Muslim because he was so offended by right. American culture. And this was in the fifties. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't that we were you know invading Muslim lands or we had no real. You know, involvement in any of that at that time. This guy went to Colorado State University. He looked around um, uh, Fort Collins, Colorado, and he hated everything he saw because right. it was, you know, red blooded America and he couldn't stand it. He wrote a, a, an entire book about how awful the West is, and that was one of the things that radicalized a whole lot of people in the Muslim world was reading this guy's
4: book.
1: Right. And if you're just tuning in... Milestones, I think,
4: in, was the name of it. Uh,
1: yeah, yeah. Milestones. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to The Andrea K. Show on AM 1170, The Answer, KCBQ. I actually was involved in a documentary uh, around the fifth anniversary of 9-11 in which uh, it was an exploration of... It was called Baking Apple Pies, and it was an exploration of whether or not... Um, I, I always argued that Bush did not go into Iraq because of WMDs, so that that was the Excuse they used to get in there. I actually thought that he went there under the belief that freedom and democracy would somehow solve the problem. If these people just got exposed to the to the beauty of the Western culture and our freedoms, that they would fall in love with it and no longer want to kill us. And and through exploring that and through the documentary that I did and, and interviewing people like Nani Darwish and Wafa Sultan and Doctor Ak uh akbar in from american university i found that it's the reverse it's like you said that they, they there is no compatibility these people with the coexist bumper stickers don't get it they hate right. us because of who we are and the more they see of us the more the more they hate us the solution is not to try to bring them here they cannot assimilate and, the, and, and, and we don't need to try to go and, and try to invest more trillions of dollars in trying to give them America there. I think what we well, need to do is we need to, and I want get, to get your um, get your opinion on this. I think that what we need to do as the United States is we need to declare them as a political system, not a religion, so that they cannot do like Valerie Jarrett said she want, wanted to, to spend her life doing, which is to try to use our freedoms and our religious beliefs in particular, religious freedoms against us as a way to get it over on us. It is a political system with a religious component. And if we do that one thing on top of all the other military and things that we do for security, I think it's going to go a long way in protecting us. What do you think about that idea?
0: Well, okay, a couple of things. First, the first thing that needs to be understood, okay, and there may be people in your listening audience that don't agree, you know, my suggestion is, do some studying and you'll, you'll realize that I'm right about this. And that is, you know, Islam is a political and cultural system as much as it is a religion. And one of the chief tenets of that system is supremacism. Okay. Islam is based on the idea that, you know, this is supposed to take over the world and we need to get, you know, the ultimate goal is an entire world with no infidels. Okay. So, to the extent that you believe that America is aiming for cultural, political, military hegemony over the planet, the world's superpower, whatever, these people see America as the great Satan, not because of anything that we've done, but because they see us as a cultural rival, okay? Mm-hmm. And if they're serious about Islam— you know, that's the source of the conflict, and and it's a 1,400-year conflict that used to be, you know, Europe was the center of this, um, and now it's America. So that's number one. Um, And, uh, you know, you have to see it as a competing political ideology. And therefore, you know, we didn't take a whole lot of communists from Cuba and North (laughs) Korea and China and Russia during the Cold War. And you cannot look at the current conflict as anything other than something just as serious. Right. Right. So, you know, I mean, if you're going to take in refugees from Syria, I don't have a problem with that. The people you need to take are the Christians and the Yazidis. Right. Because right? those are the persecuted minorities. And as it happens, those are the people who could actually come and assimilate and, and be Americans. Right.
1: Um, and in fact, Saudi and, and Arabia said that they didn't want any of the Syrian re- refugees unless they were Christians. Even the even other Muslim countries are saying this.
0: And, that, and which is, you know, and I think the reason the Saudis would have said that is that the Saudis want to force them to convert to Islam right? <laughs> yeah,
1: or pay but, a tax. Uh,
0: well, or, well, yeah, well, exactly. But I mean, um, and and this is, you know, the the, the big issue in a failure of leadership here is, you know, it's not that we don't help these people. I don't have a problem with helping them. There's a vast expanse of land in the Muslim world right. that could be made ready as a sanctuary for these guys. I mean... You know, I, you have NATO, you have, you could probably rope the Russians into this deal. You go and you carve out a piece of land and you say, look, this is where we're going to settle these guys. Make sure it's got a coastline, that you could maybe build a port for them, you know, make sure there's fresh water, whatever you need to do and say, look, this is a colony. The West will run it and it will take care of these people at this place and we will make it a hong kong or a mm-hmm. singapore or something like that you you guys can all live here you can't come live in the west because we're not interested in you guys spreading islam where we already have too much of it all right but within the muslim world here's something we will do for you and yeah. if they
4: don't like that well sorry
1: so then why like d- why is obama place. so why is obama saying that well He's saying that, oh, it's not our values to, to not bring them, bring them here. I have my own belief system as to what Obama's agenda is. What does Scott McKay think the reason is for why Obama's bringing them here instead of doing what you suggested?
0: I I, I wish I could answer that question. Mm-hmm. I mean, I really wish I could. I, you know, you don't want to buy into this whole narrative that, you know, Obama's a Muslim. And I, I, I'm, I've never bought into that. But Why not? Why not? Well, I just you know, I, I I think that he sees himself as a citizen of the world. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and I think that he is um a bit more of a narcissist. Than to believe anything. Right? I don't. That's I just see that. Yeah.
1: See, that's kind of how I see it. I see it is that he doesn't really worship Allah. I think that he, it, um, he's too narcissistic for that. I think well, that he's power. I, I think he's a Marxist, and I think he's partnering with them. I think he is sympathetic to Islam, but I, I think mainly well, he sees that he sees them as compatible for the Marxist vision that he has for this country because they both believe in a centralized power controlling the citizens, and so well, I, you know, I, I that, that, that to me
0: think that's true. I, but I think, you know, I, uh, you know, uh, you don't really need to read all that much in Obama. OK, he's not that complicated. Mm-hmm. This guy is an old fashioned red diaper baby, mm-hmm. dogmatic academic lefty. OK, right, right. And and one of the central tenets of that is you do not believe in america as a force for good you right. know you're you're a critic you you know you think that 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 america is this racist country that we've stolen the land from the indians and stolen the labor from the you know the, the african slaves that were brought in i mean you believe in all of that you know mishmash of stuff mm-hmm. right it, that dinesh d'Souza did a terrific job right. of enumerating all oh, yeah. those things in in america 2016. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I,
1: and what he predicted was, was in that yeah, dish. in fact, what he predicted was absolutely coming true. The end vision, I believe, of that movie was a map where it showed the entire Middle East up in flames. And, you know, and he predicted a militarily and economically neutered America. And it's all about, you know, you know. Diminishing our power in the world. And I think that when he said today, and I think it was your, I, I first saw the quote from you today, where he talked about, you know, I don't want to do anything that's going to, you know, pose America as, you know, it's uh, something about uh, not wanting America to appear like we're winning or whatever. It's like, oh, you know, we don't want America to be a leader. You know, everything about him is anti American.
2: It's, it's,
0: you know, and he doesn't see it that way, but there is a very serious strain on the left in american politics you know that it, you know really uh gets very defensive when you question their patriotism but the way that they see american patriotism is they love the america they can make this country into they don't really love it the way it is and obama is an exemplar of that i mean he is very much uh, you know, the fundamental transformation of America. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, and I, that's just he's been marinated all his life in that sort of critique of the country. Mm-hmm. Uh, he didn't have an upbringing, you know, where he was Little League baseball and, and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. I mean, right. know um,
4: he wasn't
1: raised he wasn't raised here primarily and anybody who spent any time in hawaii that's not exactly the mainland that's not exactly you know norman rockwell and yeah and he was in indonesia actually for most of his life prior to that i gotta leave it there I'm, i'm backed up past a break any final thoughts
0: um, well, just just one quick thing. It's worse than just that he was in Hawaii. He was in Hawaii getting raised by Frank Marshall Davis. I mean, that wasn't yeah. exactly a guy that was going to school you in American patriotism growing up. So, right. you know, I, we, the problem we have is leadership and committed leadership to preserving what what's good about America. And it shows up all over the place. And with the Syrian migrant thing, You know, it's the reason why right now lots of people, for good reason, just don't trust the government and their management of the situation. Well, yeah, it seems
1: as though I think 24, 26 states now, governors have said, no way, we aren't taking them in. There's some legal, there's, you know, been, I guess, some court cases in the past. There's some, there are some challenges to that legally or some people saying that the governors don't really have, you know, the legal rights to do that. Um, But, you know, uh, we'll have to see because it may come down to a state's rights to issue, Um, look, just get it in the court and let's see what happens. Yeah. You know? Yeah, absolutely. All right. Scott McKay, the Hayride. Tell everybody how they can read more about your stuff.
0: Just come check us out at thehayride.com.
1: All righty. Loved all my peeps down in Louisiana and Nola tonight. Thanks so much for calling in, Scott. Appreciate it. See ya. All right. We're going to take a quick break and we come back. We're actually going to talk to none other than Major General Bob Scales about the military strategy. What have we been doing over there? And what should we be doing? Up next on The Andre K. Show. Don't change that dial, folks.
3: all-natural, healthy, fresh and organic foods. Fuel productivity and creativity, decrease absenteeism and increase morale. Fresh Healthy Vending is offering the first 20 offices that sign up $250 cash and 15% of the net profits each micro market generates each month. For free information about this exciting and healthy opportunity, visit freshandhealthy.org to request your free machine. You're listening to the Andrea K Show on AM1170, the answer.
1: Welcome back to the Andrea K Show. Glad to have you here with me tonight. Je m'appelle Andrea. Major Swiss American, um, people panicking after what happened in Paris. Oh my gosh, we got to do something. What's going to happen militarily? What are we going to do to prevent this? I've been wondering what the heck have we been doing? You know, you know, Paris immediately turns right around, or France immediately turns right around and starts bombing Syria, and I'm thinking. Why why haven't we been doing that before? So I've had a lot of questions about what's been going on militarily, even before these Paris attacks, but I don't know anything about it. So I called in an expert, a friend of the Andrea K. Show, who's been on many times before, and that is none other than Major General Bob Scales. Hey, Bob, welcome back to the Andrea K. Show.
5: Well, it's great to be here. Well,
1: I know that everybody's wanting to get your opinion today. So I want to, first of all, thank you so much for taking the time out of your crazy schedule over at Fox to, to talk to our listeners tonight, because People are in panic mode, Bob, and I'm a little concerned about that because this is not a new enemy that we face. We've been in the war on terror for many, many years now, have we not? Right. So I'm a little shocked at the shock from everybody, and so before we get into what you think, using your military expertise, what you think the next step should be, I kind of want to back up a little bit and talk about what we've done, because a few weeks ago, I was struck by a scene in one of my favorite TV shows, Homeland. Don't know what you think (laughs) about that show. Um, But there was a scene in there in which Quinn was brought into a conference room by um, the joint chiefs or different people. And he was there to discuss the situation in Syria, and whether or not we should send military troops and how many into Syria. And so he was asked if the Strategy was working, and he said, Will you tell me what the strategy is, and I'll tell you if it's working? (laughs) Dead silence. This was weeks (laughs) ago. I commented on that before the Paris attacks. We, this is not a new enemy. We've been under attack, Paris has been under attack many, many times all throughout the world, thousands and thousands of attacks. So, this isn't new, right? And what has, but more specifically, about Syria, what have we been doing so far? What has the strategy been?
5: uh, We've been uh, essentially doing pinpricks. I mean, um, (laughs) remember now, um, al-Qaeda was a terrorist group from the outside in. ISIS is a terrorist group that is moving from the inside out. And they have been telling us exactly what their strategy uh, is for over two years they said Mm -hmm. first we will consolidate the caliphate then we will move our insurgency uh to the far abroad and we will strike uh the infidels in the west and we'll strike first those who are striking us specifically Mm -hmm. russia France, Britain, and the United States. And first among these, Andrea, is the United States. They couldn't be any clearer than that. I mean, I only wish our strategy was as clear as ISIS's strategy.
1: Yeah, so speaking of strategy then what should we be doing? Okay. France started bombing some locations in Syria. I think they dropped like yeah. 20 bombs and I'm thinking, mm-hmm. why weren't they? And this was so immediate that I'm thinking, why were they still there? Why weren't they bombed <laughs> before?
5: Well, the answer is sadly very simple. It all has to do with the rules of engagement. If you listen carefully to what the military spokesmen in the, in the Pentagon say, they couch the targeting, uh, descriptions very carefully. They say, uh, The strikes were conducted near Raqqa, or the strikes were conducted outside Raqqa. When President Hollande talked about the strikes that the French Air Force conducted, he said our strikes were conducted in Raqqa. In other words, the rules of engagement uh, that came from the White House say very specifically you cannot target any target uh, against ISIS if there was even the remotest possibility of killing a single civilian wow. well the french don't really care and so in the target list that we gave them as i understand it uh, we gave them a list of targets that we knew about over the last few months but were unable to strike simply because Uh, They were viewed by the targeters as being even remotely uh, close to, you know, to 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 civilians. Mm -hmm. Uh, And of course, the problem with this. With this uh, feeble air campaign is it's five to eight strikes a day. Seventy five percent of the bombs are never dropped. Uh, And the ROE says you cannot strike a target if there is one single civilian anywhere near the impact area, which basically says you don't have an air campaign at all.
1: No, I mean, you're you're a general retired now. Was this how when did this shift in our military? We, We had a Democrat president drop a couple of nukes to end a war. (laughs) <laughs> okay, we did not have rules of in- engagement previously that involved the complete avoidance at, of of any civilian casualties. When did exactly. this happen
5: and, and the bottom line is very, very simple and it 's what all of your listeners know is that the administration doesn 't want to do this they don 't want to do this. The president wants to be doesn 't want to the winner of the nobel peace prize doesn 't want to be known at the end of his term as the guy who escalated the war against anybody, even if it's fully justified based on recent events in Paris and uh, over the skies of Sinai and Beirut and elsewhere. But let's face it, just as we have a very... Feeble targeting list. ISIS has a very rich targeting list. Mm -hmm. I'm sure they're going down uh, in some bunker somewhere. Their list of targets to strike next. And I'm afraid that Washington, D.C. and New York are somewhere near the top.
1: Well, of course they are. I mean, it's it's good loot. You know, Nani Darwish said, I interviewed her a while back, and she said that the definition of Islam is conquest and America is good loot. I mean, they want to take us over. They want to They want to destroy us, and, and our, our mindset, our culture, everything we are as people. And then they want to take us over. You know, this is a caliphate. They actually said, members of ISIS said, and I'm going to get into some of the immigration and the refugee situation a little bit later on the show, but they actually said a year ago, I reported before the paris attacks i reported a year ago bob that isis said we don't believe in borders we're going right. to take over europe this is right. about a conquest yeah. and you know they so it's like you said they have predicted everything that they're going to do now one of the things uh, that yeah one of the things that struck me this morning that you said on fox news was you said isis is a psychological not a physical phenomenon
5: what did you mean by that what i mean is ISIS draws uh, young uh, Muslim men to the colors uh, by the their ideals uh, and, and their and their sort of their uh terrorist ethos, not by the fact that they uh, have become or are becoming a a country it's the idea of revenge it's the idea. Of striking back at the West and uh, and and overcoming what they consider to be uh, the abuse of of Western powers against Mm -hmm. the Islamic world for what for 1600 years Mm -hmm. Uh, the the idea that Isis occupies Raqqa and Mosul is secondary to the fact that that black flag represents revenge Mm -hmm. uh, and striking back at a hated infidel enemy so young men don't join the colors uh, just because they want to go to Syria. They join the colors for an ideology and an ideal.
1: And that's an ideology that, that many people in our government refuse to acknowledge. We had a debate Saturday night, and nobody wanted to say on the stage that, that it the ideology is radical Islam. That's
5: what we face, is it not? Isn't that something? I'm just amazed at that. You know, it would be like saying, well, uh, our strategy is Germany first in 1942, but you never mentioned the word nazism <laughs> yeah. i mean it's 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 so ridiculous at this late stage of the game does any Norwegians are responsible for this it's totally insane
1: now you getting back to military strategy you just spent some time in nato i did what what is the military plan or what should it be? Let's say you didn't have these dopey, insane, anti-American, anti-victory rules of engagement going on. What should we be doing?
5: Well, there are several things. First of all, don't have aerial pinpricks. Have an air campaign. An air campaign is hundreds, perhaps even thousands of sorties a day where you make the central cities of uh Of the caliphate uninhabitable you take down the electrical grid you destroy the roads you destroy the wells you drop the bridges and you turn those cities uh, uh, without killing a lot of people you 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 turn those cities into a place that is uninhabitable once that happens then Isis turns away from focusing on their external war to their internal war. Then over time, I'm not talking about next week, but over time uh, we, we build on the emotion of the moment to put together a coalition with NATO, with our Sunni Arab allies, and with the Kurds mm-hmm. uh, to build uh, an alliance that has a ground component that threatens those two cities. And by doing that, uh, you break the ideological tie. You prove to the Arab world that ISIS has feet of clay. You hammer them in the media and you make them look foolish. And when you take away the, the idea, Andrea, you take away ISIS. Mm-hmm.
1: How many boots on the ground or should we even have any? Should know, it be strictly aerial? Any.
5: I mean, the president, what made me a little upset today, listening to the news conference, he, it, to him it was, he, he couched it in terms that it was all or nothing. Either we do nothing, or I think the phrase he used, or we put fifty thousand right. uh, uh, soldiers on the ground. No one ever came up with that it's number. It's a false I have no choice. Idea where that came, yeah, it's a false choice. From. He just used it as a, you know, as a red flag to mm-hmm. to dispel the notion that there's a ground component to the campaign. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but if you have. Uh, Sunni Arab nations, the Kurds who have been very successful, 28 uh, NATO nations contributing their share, led by the United States. The number can't be that large.
1: What's the mood over in NATO in regarding the uh, war here?
5: It's just pure abject panic. I mean, this refugee thing has gripped uh, the armies of NATO and the and the people, the 28 countries in NATO. And and uh, when you cut through the The propaganda that their state run media runs, the average man on the street is absolutely panicked by this. Mm -hmm. And you can imagine what the military thinks, because at the end of the day, it's the military in NATO Mm -hmm. that's going to be held responsible for internal defense and for managing these refugee flows. And they are at their wits end, particularly Mm -hmm. Germany, Austria, uh, Italy and Greece are beside themselves with fear.
1: Yeah, I want to I want to quote President Obama to you today and this is my last question to you before we go uh, a quote's going around i actually didn't hear him say this but what's going around is that he said today in his speech that what I, what i'm not interested in doing is posing or pursuing some notion of american leadership or american winning as a military man who dedicated your life to this country and for our freedoms, and went into battle on behalf of our nation. How, how does that strike you hearing those words right now well, coming from our I'll commander I'll tell in you chief?
5: How it strikes me. Look, in the post World War II era, an era that we historians call the American era of war, nothing happens in the free world. Nothing happens in the free world unless America leads, whether it's Korea, Vietnam, Kosovo, Iraq. Uh, Afghanistan, Greece in the 1940s, nothing happens in the conflict against evil uh, unless uh, America stands out as, as a proclaimed and recognized leader. If America doesn't do that, I don't care if it's NATO or any other alliance, it simply won't congeal unless America raises its hand and says we're in charge. If, they, if we are not in charge, then sadly nothing
1: happens. Well, there's a lot of retired military. I said that was my last question, but I was lying to you, Bob. I, got, I had one more come to mind. I am seeing so many retired military heroes like yourself saying, just give me notice and I call me back and I will take up arms again and, and fight for my nation. What do, you, what do you say to those people and would you well, be willing to I do mean, it? <laughs>
5: Fight for the nation, for those of us who are retired, means standing in the public square and proclaiming what is uniquely American about what we do and and, and expressing the desire that we return to a place of leadership. What's the sense of having the world's most effective military uh, if uh, a commander-in-chief up front proclaims that it will never be used? I don't understand.
1: Yeah. And proclaims that he doesn't want to use it in a way for America to win.
5: Precisely. Yeah.
1: Well, thank you so much for being with me today, Bob. I appreciate it.
5: Well, thank you, Andrea.
1: Have a great day. True American hero there. Such an honor every time I have an opportunity to talk to him. But, you know, but I have to say he was kind of wrong In one sense, because if you listened to the Democrat debate Saturday night, which fortunately I was spared quite a bit of it because I uh, I had a niece in town actually had to go out to dinner. She spared me from being tortured more than the few minutes I was on that. But I guess evidently Bernie Sanders is still saying that the cause of terrorism is climate change. Now, I heard that he said it. I don't know how he connected the dots to climate change causing. I mean, I had I, somebody had said, I, was it Maxine Waters, Mr. Carrot Sticks, who said that climate change ended up was the cause of prostitution somehow, I guess, because somehow climate change made people poor and have to hit the streets and. And turn tricks. I don't know where these lefties come up with this crap. But what's sad to me is that here I started off the show by talking about Americans saying I never forget. And here they've forgotten. I mean, it's more than just forgetting. There's an actual denial going on. So many Americans. Sanders isn't alone. There's millions of Americans, you know, who refuse to accept the fact that we face an ideology that that will not stop until they take us down. Will not stop. But not, but Sanders on the stage wasn't the only one who was crazy. I don't know if he was the only one who tried to blame terrorism on climate change, but none of them would say that radical Islam was the enemy. None of them would. And talk about safe zones. You know, I, I actually, before this whole thing happened in Paris, the big to- thing that we were talking about was last week was Mizzou and Yale and and this whole concept of safe zone. Well, you know who's got the safe zones? I'm finding out today, it's ISIS, because we've got rules of engagement set up to where they're protected, completely protected by the president of the United States. Today is the first day that I've heard that. He said to, in front of, why are we, why have we not heard this before? We've had Republicans sitting on the intelligence committee, sitting on the military. Young Duncan here in San Diego is sitting on the uh, uh, the uh, the military committee, and I didn't even know about these rules of engagement. So we've got a president who went out and said, I, I'm going to degrade and destroy ISIS. And then he sets up rules of engagement preventing the degradation or destruction of ISIS. And nobody in America knows about it. That's absolutely insane to me. Oh, guess what else is we learned today that's new? Hey, I don't know if you knew about this, Mr. Uh, Carrot Sticks. Did you know that ISIS since they've been completely protected by POTUS, that they're able to set up a geek squad over there. ISIS has a 24-7 help desk. Did you know that?
2: No,
3: Karen that's six? crazy.
1: Yeah, so if you've got any question, anything happens with the boards tonight, you got any problem with your technology in there, you know, maybe pick up the phone and call them and say, hey, the Henry K show's gone down, because like we had some problems with the internet a few weeks ago, the stream, so hey, give them a call over there. Can you help me with my iPhone, maybe? Maybe they can help you with that. The I stands for infidel. Yeah. (laughs) Now, the hacker group, Anonymous, has come out today and said, hey, you know what? We're going to take these people down. And maybe they're actually going to make some headway. Well, I saw where
0: they already closed 129 of their
2: Twitter accounts.
1: Oh, they did? Yeah. Okay, well, I guess They can move fast. Uh, Well, good. Maybe they can take down the Geek Squad, the 24-7 help desk that's, uh, that's uh, going. I mean, these people probably have gr- greater technology than we do. Hey, it, it, who knows? Anyway, we got more coming up in the second hour. We've got Tom Del Baccaro. We've got Wayne Allen Root, who's going to be on here. That man is just amazing. Love his energy. Love you all so much. So stay with us because we've got more Andrea Kay Show coming up in another hour.
0: The Andrea K. Show on AM 1170, The Answer, is sponsored by Andrea Kay.
3: Welcome to the Andrea
0: K Show. She's blonde, five foot two, and 107 pounds of dynamite in a dress. Here she is, Andrea Kay.
1: Welcome back to the Andrea K Show. This is our du of the Andrea Kay Show tonight. Je m'appelle Andrea Kay. Je suis American. Before the break, what we were we talking about? Oh, yeah, we were talking about the insanity that was the Democrat debate. Um, you would think that um, given the fact that they met, uh, the Democrat candidates got a chance to have a little meet and greet and a little powwow, a little planning session, if you will, um, with the CBS moderator, John Dickerson, beforehand. You would think that he might have been able to talk the crazy out of them in advance. Um, you know, I, uh, I mean, what can I say? I mean, you know, I still have people arguing with me. Talk about American denial. I still have people arguing with me that there is no media bias. Can you imagine if it was discovered that Neil Cavuto or Sandra Smith or anybody from Fox News had had a meeting prior to the debate with any of the candidates? Are you kidding me? Oh, he says, oh, that it was just about getting to know the senators' stand on a wide spectrum of issues. This was in regards to his meeting with Bernie Sanders beforehand. You know, control the message and you control the minds. Um, Speaking of minds and crazy and Hillary, I guess there's some reports that have come out. Well, emails, you know, where, you know, she keeps saying that she's turned everything over, but, you know, we're still, you know, she deleted 30,000 emails. Well, I guess... I don't know if you heard about this, Mister Carrot Sticks, but emails came out. Do you know that um, Hillary's right-hand Muslim Brotherhood front woman, radical Islamist gal Huma Abedin? Well, I guess some emails emerged where Huma is talking about Hillary not being quite all there mentally. <laughs> well, <laughs> was that Hillary's cackle? <laughs>
3: Uh, she's, that, maybe she's the next joker.
1: Yeah, it could be. Um, here's what it says in the email. I um this email was from January 26 twenty thirteen. It was an email exchange between um Clinton's her aide, Monica Hanley, and whom Abedin. And Abedin says, Have you been going over her calls with her? Uh, so she knows that Singh is in at eight, which was the Indian prime minister. And uh Clinton's woman Hanley says, Well, she was in bed for a nap. By the time I heard that she had an 8 a.m. call, we'll go over with her. And Huma says, very important to do that. She's often confused. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. This is who, who we want as president. Oh, by the way, you're not doing a whole lot for, the, for your gender, Hillary. Confused. Good grief. <laughs> um, yeah. But, you know, here we are, where still. We know that she lied about Benghazi. We know that she's broken the Espionage Act as well as the Records Act with her email situation. She's jeopardized national security, lied about Benghazi. Her actions as Secretary of State led directly to the deaths of four Americans, talk about never forget, talk about denial, 40 something percent of Americans still support this woman. We even have idiots like this actress Jennifer Lawrence up in Hollywood saying she just can never vote Republican because they just don't care about women's issues. Really, lady? Ever heard about what these Muslims, the ones who, who just killed 138 in Paris and put you know, hundreds of others in critical care, you know what they think about women? You know what they wanna do to you? Where were you wearing that dress over there? Oh, yeah, you were, were you in Paris when you were wearing that dress, Jennifer Lawrence? Yeah, I bet you had some security surrounding you with a whole lot of weaponry to keep those Islamists away from cutting your head off, which is what they want to do to you. And that's who Hillary and the Democrat Party are in bed with. And I'm going to say the same thing to my LBGT friends. You need to figure out whose side is really on your side and who's really got your back. And it's not the Democrat Party who's cozying up to the Islamists that want to toss you off a roof. Okay? We now know exactly where the Democrat candidates stand. But we've got other people running for office. And we've got an opportunity here in California to take back Barbara Boxer's seat. And so I wanted to bring back on Tom Del Beccaro. I had him on the show once before. One of his main focuses as a candidate in California is to talk about water, and which is a huge issue out here, as well as to talk about the flat tax, because the economy is still the number one issue for Americans. And the Republican Party has got to get better at articulating the value of the free market system and, and, and capitalist system and so he is an absolute genius at that. Don't think this doesn't matter to you because let me tell you, I'm affected by some U.S. senator from Maine or some U.S. senator from Idaho or somewhere. So Tom Del Bacaro, if he wins the seat, can have an effect on the nation. So I wanted to know where he stood on radical Islam, as well as to get his opinion on what happened with the GOP debate in terms of economics. Because right now we've got, the, even with the Paris attacks, we still have the economy and... Um, Right. Still at the top. Although we really haven't been having a whole lot of polling, which is very interesting since the Paris attacks. But anyway, it's time to hear from Tom DeBacaro. Welcome back to The Andrea K. Show. Thank you. I know how busy you are out there on the campaign trail. So I thank you for dropping what you're doing. I think you're up in the O.C. today, right? I am. Uh, uh, no problem, though. I appreciate you having me on. Sure. Hopefully you're avoiding uh, the real housewives up there. Those ladies are crazy up there, Tom. They're just insane.
2: Yeah, well, it is the OC.
1: Yeah, it is the OC. Hey, speaking of insanity, uh, all kinds of insanity going on involving these recent round of terrorist attacks that we've had in terms of um, insanity being not just the fact that there's people out there in the world that just hate us because we're the West and what we stand for. And this is, you know, a a jihad against all of Western civilization, Uh, you know, Europeans, Americans. uh, So in spite of that insanity, there's also a lot of insanity going on in terms of the thought process and the response from government officials here and abroad. And that's why I wanted to have you on today, because I think there's many of Americans like myself. In fact, I talked to you about the the issue of radical Islam when you were on my show last time, even though it was it was Um, pre-attacks. But there's many Americans today that are panicked over what's happened and really looking to our leaders to display that they've got a grip on the threat that we face. And I don't know if you had time because you are busy on the campaign trail. I don't know if you had time to watch the debate Saturday
2: night, but they refused. to did, yeah, it did, uh, it's unbelievable that they refused to speak about it with clarity. Yeah. And the first st- the first step is recognition for a lot of things, right? Mm-hmm. But if we don't speak with clarity, and this president hasn't done that, do you think of him going all the way back to the beginning when he refused to call it radical Islam? If you don't call it for what it is, that worries your allies and emboldens your enemies.
1: And it makes it impossible for you to not that it can be ultimately solved, because I don't think you can completely eradicate an ideology, but you certainly can't launch an effective campaign against any problem if you can't identify what it is. Then you then you do, he, Obama said today, well, we don't want to, you know, um, shoot first and aim later. Well, you've had a whole lot of time in office, and Americans first, this is not uh, the first time that anybody in Western civilization has been attacked. People sitting back here, Tom, since this happened, wringing their hands going, oh my gosh, what if this this could happen here? It already happened here it happened on september 11th on our twin towers we've had a long time as a government and and as a people to be pushing back and waging a war in against these terrorists we president bush called it the war on terror and so it seems as though we're playing catch-up and playing defense you are running for Barbara Boxer's seat in the United States Senator. People today are looking at elected officials right now and those running for office, and they're saying, I want to know clarity of your position, and I want to know specifically what you're prepared to do in office to fight this threat we face.
2: Well, again, the first thing is recognition. you got to remember in foreign policy that you have to speak with greater clarity than domestic policy. Why is that? Because whatever you say— Well, because whatever you say gets translated into many languages across the globe, and there's a a greater opportunity for confusion. So I'm fond of saying that leadership is a billboard with bold letters. It is not the fine brushstrokes of the Mona Lisa. You have to be able to see and understand, and people have to be able to understand your position from afar. So it is essential in foreign policy to speak with clarity. And step one is recognizing them from what you are. You wouldn't go to a doctor and start taking treatments unless he first made a diagnosis. The same is true with foreign policy. So you have to say clearly, this is radical Islam. This is what they're up to. That doesn't mean you have to go to war everywhere. But if your allies don't think you have a firm grip on the problem, Then they worry about your leadership, which is what's going on right now. And then they don't rely on you, which is going on right now. And that allows our enemies to be even bolder. Step one is the clarity. Call it for what it is. Step two, if you're not willing to send troops over there, then we should have never waited three or four years to, to supply the Kurds. We should have never let the Jordanians run out of bullets. We should have never let ISIS grow to the point that it did. His meandering for months on end allowed ISIS to metastasize, to move out of the Middle East. That was a complete error. They, they were pretty clear about how terrible they were going to be as soon as they beheaded someone. He should have immediately acted then to stop it. Mm-hmm. Now this has gone on. You get the Syrian uh, uh, refugee crisis, on and on. This is going to go down as one of the worst administrations in foreign policy history.
4: hmm
1: Right. Absolutely. No doubt. In fact, Friday morning, I think it was he was on some show saying, oh, ISIS is contained. Yeah, it's contained like the Exxon Valdez oil spill was contained or the BP oil <laughs> spill in the Gulf Coast that he ignored for nine days while it chugged oil well, out I'm into so the way, Gulf, destroyed my people's the, businesses and, yeah, and shellfish.
2: This shows a fundamental misunderstanding of this presidency as to the nature of the threat. We are not facing a standing army threat. It's, it's not like the British are lined up in front of us during the revolution. Right. Instead, they do it other ways. And ISIS proclaimed the fact that they were infiltrating through refugees, not showing up on borders. Mm-hmm. And so for him to say it's contained is a meaningless discussion. Right, because they're a. Yeah, they're everywhere now. They're in all these other contr- countries, and whether they have a thousand miles or a thousand and ten in the Middle East, yes, that's a problem. But it's only the start of the problem.
1: Yeah, and ISIS is only one small piece of the problem. They're just they're just one fraternity. They're just the Delta Tau Deltas, you know, out of a whole group of fraternities. You know, the the issue is not just one band of of. You know, Islamists who were together. We also have, I think, the FBI has uh, investigations going on in every state here in the nation. The nine eleven hijack. Do you know exactly what they're doing in that? Because to me, if you're not actually infiltrating the mosques themselves. Then, you, yeah. then you're not even launching an effective I- investigation. In fact, I actually think, and what I would like our, our Congress to do, is remove the protections of them being a religion and actually classify it as a political system that has a religious element. And I think that then that would prohibit them from hiding out in mosques. And it would also prohibit them from using our own freedoms against us as they wage a, creeping, a, a jihad of creeping Sharia and to take us over from a... Um, internal mode there's because to me there's two different wars happening two different ways that they're waging war against us one is through the sword or the suicide vest or whatever and the other is to take us down from within which i think is is an equally one of
2: the serious problems one of the serious problems the french did was create allow them to create enclaves in which the french would not go in and they Mm -hmm. basically could take over territory and we're, we're starting to do similar things. You go to Michigan, you have a, a similar dynamic going on. And we can't repeat that mistake. And you're right. They are—it's not just religious, it's also nationalistic. But, you know, the vast majority of them believe that the—certainly uh, uh, of all the terrorists, but a, an alarming number of Muslims believe that their religion rises above the Constitution. Mm-hmm. That's not the way our system works and and to a great degree we're just sort of oh saying oh it doesn't really matter but in fact it does
1: so as a senator once you get elected what we have the Commander-in-Chief, but we have co-equal branches. We've, it's become so blurred in recent years to where presidents have gotten to where it's, oh, yeah, I'm going to come back and get that act to Congress later to do this or to do that, and then they never do. And it's almost as though our Congress people are not really getting involved to the degree that they should in um, the checks and balances over what's happening or actually to make something happen when it should happen. What do you see your role, uh, should you get Uh, win your election, what do you see your role and Congress's role? Because I found out today that Rubio, McCain, Graham, and more actually voted to bring more of these supposed refugees here. So, clearly Congress plays a role here. What do you perceive it, and what will you do as Senator?
2: Well, I'll tell you, we need to change our policy in a number of ways. Step one, we should not be allowing any Syrian refugees into this country until we have a system that can handle it. And I don't know when that's going to be. You know, there is no database of Syrian Syrians coming across the border. There's no database of the terrorists inside Syria nearly sufficient for us to be doing this. And this is common sense. Just apply common sense and say we're not ready to handle this, especially since ISIS said they use this process to infiltrate terrorists into, into, into France. So, number one suspend the refugee movement into the United States, pending proof that this that what happened in Paris won't happen here, which is a very, very high standard. Number two, Americans need to know more about threats from the world. You know we've been protected for centuries by the, the two oceans, but in the nuclear age that protection goes away. And now they're running across the border in the United States and I have any doubt that there's ISIS here waiting to do X, Y, and Z. And so we need to anticipate that. And one policy we need to change, quite frankly, is at our major stadiums. We can no longer allow people to go in, uh, or get, drive so close to them, or just walk through a gate and get in. That We now have to have greater security or we're going to have one of these catastrophes on our own. Right. And the way to do wow. that is to under get people educated on the on the threat and get them to support the process.
1: Right. Um, I don't know. Have you decided who you're going to back yet in the 2016 campaign?
2: <laughs> well, I was a oh. Mike Pence fan, oh. and mm-hmm. he didn't even run. Right. So um, I, I will tell you that I'm going to support someone that
1: Welcome back to the Andrea K. Show. Thank you so much for uh, listening. I sound like I'm coming back from a break. I don't know where my head's at right now. Anyway, that was Tom DeBocaro. Um, I spoke to, with Tom earlier. I'm going to go into. I'm going to save his economic discussion for um, next Monday show because I'm, I've I've still got some more topics I want to get to tonight. I want to get to Wayne Allen Root. So what what Tom was was saying there in terms of who he was going to support is he's not throwing his hat behind anybody yet in terms of specific name. But basically, he wants somebody who can articulate economics in the right way. And so far, he hasn't really seen anybody to do that. Um, Tom's basically supporting the flat tax. He thinks that um, that's simple and easy for Americans to understand. And then on top of it, he thinks it's easy to, to explain to people how you increase historically. It's been proven you increase taxes, you're going to increase, uh, you decrease taxes, and you're going to increase revenues to the government. And anyway, um, that's Tom DeBacaro's position. He's my guy for Barbara Boxer's seat. I think that we need to start paying attention to every campaign, everybody who's running for office everywhere. I think I'm going to start every week trying to bring on different candidates and do a candidate spotlight. Um, There's a gal who's challenging uh, John McCain in Arizona. And her name is Kelly Ward, I believe. And and people are really looking at her thinking that she's got a shot, you know, and challenging him there. So we'll see about that. Anyway, I think we're going to take a quick break. And that's what I think we need to do. Here I lost my train of thought earlier I thought I was coming back from a break what I need to do is go to a break and then when we come back we're going to talk to Wayne Allen Root
3: We yeah. got this. Kate on, on, on Twitter sunshine. at Andrea K Show what? and follow her on Facebook and like her fan page at Andrea K spelled K A Y E
1: Want to start living better longer? Levita Compounding Pharmacy can help.
3: Convenient, homestyle recipes and unique menu favorites. Sombrero, your place for San Diego-style Mexican food. Roll tacos, California burritos, and don't forget your salsa. Sombrero Mexican food. We get it too. Okay. You're listening to The Andrea Kay Show on AM 1170, The Answer.
1: Welcome back to The Andrea Kay Show. We're on the home stretch here, and I'm excited to have this next guest with us. You've probably read his books and read his blog articles and seen him. He's been all over the media, super energetic guy. He actually ran as the VP for the Libertarian ticket in 2008. It is Wayne Allen Root. Welcome to the Andrea K. Show, none other than Wayne Allen Root.
4: Hey Andrea, how are you?
1: I'm awesome, thanks. Hey, I gotta ask you, that's a lot of names you got
4: there, but you don't (laughs) have, are
1: you from the South?
4: I'm, I'm not, but, you know, my parents named me Wayne Alarood. is very young I realized the initials were war, so it kind of stuck, you know, you, you want to use all three when your initials spell something very memorable, I'm a branding expert, actually I speak about branding all over the world, I give business speeches, and so, you know, people don't remember me as Wayne, they remember me as war, so it is Wayne Alarood only because all three initials are memorable.
1: Awesome. Well, you know what? We're at a war right now, Wayne. Of course, you know, everybody's acting like, oh my gosh, this could happen here. We're in we're in a war on terror. Hey, we've been in a war on terror for a long time, Wayne. Uh, you know, some people would say that we've been in, in, in the war on terror, that we actually got attacked on 9-11-2001. It actually happened even before that. So I'm kind of shocked that the people are shocked as to what happened in Paris and that people are hand ringing and acting as though this could possibly happen here when it already has. You know, how do we get Americans to wake up?
4: Uh, I'll tell you what, Andrea. I think the real issue is if you look up some of my past columns, and I don't mean five years ago or a year ago, I mean like three weeks ago, I wrote a column that ISIS is here, and they're crossing over the border every day, the border with Mexico, and no one seems to care, And, and that column never got a lot of attention. No one in the media cared. Even conservative talk radio, I didn't get a lot of bookings. Usually I write something, and I get a minimum of 20 to 30 bookings, and that one, something more important must have happened that week, and it just wasn't the. Flavor of, the, flavor of the week and no one seemed to care of what I was writing and here's what I was writing, that I'm friends with a border agent on the San Diego border and you're down in San Diego, mm-hmm. and he could have lost his job, he was willing to risk his job to text me and tell me that they just caught 11 11- uh, Pakistanis crossing the San Diego border, and never before in the history of his 20 years as a border agent, and he spoke to all his other fellow border agents, have they ever caught 20, uh, uh, I think it was 11 was the number, but 10 or more uh, Middle uh, Middle Eastern military-age males in one shot mm-hmm. crossing the San Diego border. He said, this is very scary, it's a bad precedent, and it comes at the same time that Mexico had just sent a warning to the border agents and every agent received a warning from the U.S. government Mexico said serious military age males are on the ground in Mexico and they're going to be cut, headed for the American border and we knew this and none of this was announced in the media I'm the only guy in the country who had this information I told everybody about it in a political column no one seemed to care and since mm-hmm. then he is the same guy has texted me like four other times since then and each time he says we just caught two more Pakistanis wow. we just caught three more Pakistanis we just caught five more Pakistanis so it's it's really quite amazing but it's happening they're crossing the border and here's well, the But don't I have jump, for
1: but, you. but don't jump to any conclusions wayne as to as to what they're all about I mean these are these are give give me your poor your huddled masses right we're supposed to be taking in these poor you know families that are that are coming here because they're so oppressed or whatever it was whatever drivel Obama was trying to say today well, well
4: here's my common sense about this okay I know there's no law that says just because you're a Pakistani crossing the the border with Mexico that you have to be a criminal or you have to be a terrorist you're coming here to murder us there's no law that's that I get that but there's two issues being brought up here number one does anyone understand the real issue is the border, the border is so that Obama has purposely left it wide open and anyone can walk across and, and there are going to be bad evil people walking across to kill us and then it's going to be the vast majority 99% who are walking across with one goal in mind it's not to kill us it's to bank us. They want our welfare. They want our food stamps. They want our free children education. They want our free health care. They want aid to dependent children. They want housing allowances. The list goes on and on. Our country will topple. They will bankrupt us. And we have a president who doesn't care. The border's wide open. So if your kids or mine are killed by terrorists or the country is bankrupted, just remember Barack Obama doesn't care. And then number two, I understand how a Mexican or someone from Central America gets over the border they walk how does a Pakistani get to the border if we're not seeing droves of Pakistani military-age males, how did they get here? Someone had to spend 20000 for each one to be shipped over mm-hmm. across an ocean. And they are expected to do something while they're here to pay back that 20000 And all I can think of is they're being sent to commit terrorism. Yeah, How fact- does a Pakistani get to Mexico? Yeah, well, we're seeing that there's
1: a lot of these, you know, sad sack, you know, oh, they're just trying to flee, you know, being oppressed, you know, from Syria refugees um, on luxury yachts showing up on the borders over in in greece and in, in italy so it's an orchestrated plan uh, you know a year ago isis was saying hey we're, we're there borders mean nothing to us and we are going to take europe and we're going to do it through an invasion and you know there and that's they're coming in through mexico here so so i, I want to advance it a little bit because you wrote another article recently that's gotten a lot of attention and it's that um it's about saying that the paris terror attacks Proves that Trump was right. Now, now connect those dots for me. Yeah, Trump's been talking about the Mexicans, but what does that have to do with Paris?
4: Well, Trump's been talking about the border. It never was just about Mexicans or Hispanics or anything else. I mean, I know I personally have no prejudices and never have. I, I think there's a lot of incredibly nice and hardworking Hispanics out there. I think the border is about Austrians and Australians and Mexicans. It's about anybody who walks over illegally. And if the border's open, we have a national security problem. And that's what Donald Trump's pointing out. We have an open border. We need a wall. We need some sort of uh, uh, rule of law in the United States. If you're here illegally, you got to go back. You got to be deported. You got to be sent out. We have many Mexicans and and Australians and Austrians, any kind of illegal, I don't care who it is, who have driven drunk and killed people, who have walked into a store, held it up and murdered someone, who have raped someone. I mean, the the, the stories are in the news media all the time. We could spend all day long covering up these stories like the mainstream liberal media does, but the reality is, here in Las Vegas, where I live, it seems like every other crime in the paper, the person's last name sounds foreign, and when you get to the last paragraph, which most people never read, uh, they're in the nation illegally, or they've been deported, and they came back. So Donald Trump is 100% right, and the Paris terrorist attacks prove that the number one issue in America is border security and illegal immigration, and the illegals don't have to be Mexicans anymore. They can now be Muslims. Substitute the word Muslim for Mexican, and you will get a chill down your back. If you thought, you know, if you're one of those people that was upset that so many Mexicans are crossing the border, at least they come here to work. Mm -hmm. Muslims are not coming here to work. Military-age male Muslims are coming here to cause problems for us that may include ISIS terrorist attacks and everyone should be scared.
1: Well, there's I, I think there's two forms of jihad that are going on around the world, and in, 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 it's starting to come here. I wrote a, a read a great book years ago. I'm sure you did too, called "While Europe Slept," written by Bruce Bauer, and he talked about how the open borders and multi multiculturalism is basically um, the influx of the Muslim uh, Muslims there. They do not come. They do not come to immigrate and assimilate. They come to take over nations from within, and so just like you talked about wanting to, to break a nation economically. They're coming in for all the welfare and entitlement programs, and they're coming to replace whatever political system is currently in place. They're, they're coming to replace that with Sharia. And that is part of what's going on here in the nation. And not enough people, I think, are talking about creeping Sharia as an element. So even if they're not coming here to cut your head off, they're coming here not for the entitlement programs, and they're coming here ultimately to replace the U.S. Constitution with Sharia. In fact, that was a stated goal by the Muslim Brotherhood, of which who had a front row seat when President Obama ran for presidency, ran for the presidency in 08. Um, in terms of now everybody's saying, gee, what, what a mistake we, we obviously made putting this guy in office in 08. We need somebody experienced. Trump, yeah, he's saying all the right stuff with immigration, but he doesn't have the experience in foreign policy, Wayne.
4: Yeah, but you say experience. I have a hard time with that word experience. You know, listen, I think I'd make a a fine U.S. center. I think I'd make a fine president. In 2008, I ran for president of the United States, and I won the Libertarian vice presidential nomination. I'm a small businessman. I've never been involved in foreign policy in my life. But I know who our friends and allies are, and I know who our enemies are. I know our best friend in the world is Israel. I know that uh, Iran is not a good friend, and I would never do a a, uh, treaty with Iran that includes the things that are in this horrible Iran treaty. Uh, I think Donald Trump knows all the same things. I do what what experience necessary that's what you hire a John Bolton for that's what you hire brilliant foreign policy experts like Henry Kissinger for you make them secretary of state you make them national security advisor they give you advice what I want is a businessman or woman who knows how to run a business because the American economy is going under and foreign policy could be handled by someone else the secretary of state and the national security advisor I I don't agree at all Mm -hmm. I think experience uh, with people who've given you nothing but bad stuff I I mean, who's the most experienced? Well, Hillary Clinton's pretty darn experienced, but everything she's done has been bad and a mistake. Under her uh, auspices, the whole Middle East fell apart. You know, the iron Spring came around. Nothing mm-hmm. but bad things happened. Ukraine uh, fell apart. So everything bad that's happened in the last seven years has happened with the experience of Hillary Clinton in charge. So I don't agree with experience. I want a businessman like Trump who knows how to delegate authority and knows how to bring in a team of brilliant, brilliant executives and lawyers under him and that's who should run the United States of America The main CEO is Trump And then there's a whole team under him And maybe one of them will be me And that's the plan Donald's yeah. a big <laughs> fan of mine I'm a big fan of his So I hope they're all small business and women like me That's what America needs Someone who understands the budget
1: Well, not only that, but you talk in in your article that you say Trump loved, by the way. Didn't you say he he, did he contact you on Twitter today over your. your Uh, Well,
4: actually, he said something very nice about me on Twitter, but he also sent me a personal email thanking me for my column today. Yeah.
1: Awesome. Well, it's a great column because one of the things you talk about in there is him being a businessman is the, the art of the deal. And you talk about it, which was his famous book that he wrote. And you're saying his new book should be called The Art of the Immigration Deal. And that includes terrorism. And you're right to point out that one of the first things they did in France after this terrorist attack was they sealed the dang border. So, yeah, it is common sense. And I would much rather have somebody who knows how to apply common sense pr- principles, who has been negotiating with tough, tough people all along the way. This man did not build all these casinos and all around the world like he did without having to stare down some tough people and know how to negotiate and bring them to the table and know how to get what he wanted out of the deal and make sure that that happened. So, you know, I love, I want to tell everybody to go to rootforamerica.com and, and read this article here because you've got some great insight in here in terms of how he would negotiate. And do Even if you're saying, even if he can't deport all 15 million illegals that are here, you're, you're predicting that one thing's for sure is that at least they're not going to be on the
4: dole. Right? Well, it's, it's more than predicting. It's recommending. I mean, I try and give advice all the time to Donald Trump, some of it personal, meaning private advice, and sometimes I write it in public columns. And my advice in this column is pretty simple. You've got to have a plan B, Donald. There has to be a plan B. Plan A is build a wall and deport millions of illegals. Now, I know that's your plan A, but plan B is show everyone that you are a smart guy and a guy willing to compromise and negotiate and cut a great deal and that you understand human nature and, and probably, not definitely, but probably you're never going to get a chance to deport 15 million people. It's just not going to happen. The Congress will never allow it. The public will probably never allow it. I'm not saying I disagree with the idea. I'm a big guy who believes in the rule of law in the U.S. Constitution, and I don't know how you could just flippantly say there's millions of people in America illegally, and that's okay. I can't understand that. But having said that, I don't believe anyone will ever let you deport them all. So plan B is if I can't deport them all, and I can't get Congress to go along with it, and I can't get the United States Supreme Court to go along with it. Then here's plan B. You can all stay, but none of you are ever getting welfare again. I'm cutting off all food stamps, all welfare, all aid to dependent children, all housing allowances, all of that. You earned income tax credits to people who are here illegally. How asinine. How insane. All that's got to go. So if you claim, as Democrats do, and even Jeb Bush did, you come here out of love for your family, and you came here to earn a living and work a job, That's great. Then I'm going to call you on it. From now on, you're going to be here working, Mm -hmm. but you're not going to be here on the dole. You can't collect welfare anymore or go home. That Mm -hmm. should be plan B. And the other part of plan B is you can never vote. No matter what you do, you could stay here forever as a guest worker, and you're legal, and we can never kick you out. If If that has to happen, that's fine. That's my plan B. But guess what? You're never going to become a citizen and earn the right to vote. You gave that up the moment you came here illegally. If you want to come to America, work, and vote, then... And you have to get in line and wait twenty years like the rest of the world. And once you're a legal citizen, nobody can ever stop you from voting. That's fine.
1: Yeah, but given so, them the driver's licenses, at least here in the state of California, they they intentionally put loopholes in to where it, it's impossible to check and verify that these people, right. with the driver's licenses, aren't also through the motor voter going to be able to register. These Democrats are playing a long game in order to increase the pendency class. They're they're doing, um, they they've been doing Europe courted. The Muslims to come into into Europe and through the multicultural, the same mindset that we've been doing here in California, we've been doing nationally with the Mexicans, the Europeans have been doing it with the Muslims. Now we're going to be adding the Muslims to the Mexicans and the South Americans coming here, courting them in. The Democrats want them here to create and to expand the dependency class for power. So they want them to get the votes. That's the only reason why the left wants them here. It's, It's why California is completely gone and is a permanent democracy. Democrat voting block and that's,
4: that's the plan to do It's why I don't understand uh, why they don't change the strategy, Andrew. The strategy I've written in many columns in the past, it's so simple. If, Democrat, if you say you want to deport everyone, Democrats call you a racist. If you say you want to build a world, Democrats call you a racist. But the one thing they can't do is if you say, you know what? I want you all to stay. I love you. But you're never going to collect a single entitlement check for the rest of all time. That's the price you pay for coming here. American citizens can get welfare. I mean, I love it, but you can get it legally. But illegals can never get welfare. Now let's see if you really came here just for jobs, mm-hmm. and let's see if Democrats agree you know, that we're not breaking up families, we're not separating families, we're not causing stress, we're not sending anyone home. We'll build the wall. Anyone who's already here won the lottery, but you can never collect welfare and you can never vote let's see if democrats really care about their uh, foreign and hispanic and, and illegal constituent let's see because my guess is they would freak out and have a hemorrhage and their brains would explode because if you take away their right to vote you take away their right, right to get welfare they have no reason and no ability to ever vote democrat democrats don't give a damn about any of them and right. I it. the minute you, minute you see that then hispanics can see once and for all that Republican Republicans are actually more on your side than Democrats are. They only want you for your vote, and they only want to addict you to welfare. That's the only thing they care about.
1: Well, but the Republican Party has to get better at explaining why opportunity is a better system to be able to offer people, whether here legally or not, than the entitlement system uh, of socialism. And we've got we're approaching. I think Romney was right when he said that forty seven percent are unreachable because you know we and we're um, we're almost past the tipping point, Wayne, to where we've, we're almost at the point to where we've got more takers than makers.
4: Yeah, and, you know, my, my problem with Romney is the following. And I was, you know, listen, once I go in for someone, I go all in. I gave 110% to Mitt Romney. But the reality is my new book called The Power of Relentless, It was the number one business book in America in the month of August. It just got endorsed this week, the newest issue of Forbes magazine, Steve Forbes calling it one of the eight best books of 2015. I'm greatly honored. But the point of the book was Mitt Romney was never relentless. Mitt Romney's not a relentless conservative. He's not even a conservative. Donald Trump is relentless. Donald Trump will fight these horrible people like Obama and Hillary Clinton and Valerie Jarrett. These are bad people with some really bad intent that are trying to destroy this country And there's only one person I trust, might, might, I won't even say will, if it was me, I'd say will, might put a few of them in jail, and that's Donald Trump. He's got the willpower to do it, he's combative, he's offensive, all the things people hate about him, I love about him. We need an offensive guy who fights fire with fire and brings a gun to a gunfight, not a knife to a gunfight. And Mitt Romney was this nice Mormon who, you know, everybody who ever met him said nice things about him, but he didn't know how to really fight down and dirty in Mm -hmm. the gutter, which is what you're getting from Democrats. And if you're not willing to get down there with them, you shouldn't be in politics because you'll never win an election. So let me tell you the nice, non-relentless gentleman who ran for office for the Republican Party: Gerald Ford lost, mm-hmm. Robert Dole, Bob Dole lost. <laughs> you know, who else is there? Uh, John McCain lost, Mitt Romney lost, and they wanted to stick, uh, you know, uh, Jeb Bush in our face, and (laughs) he would have lost too. There's no question Jeb Bush would lose. So all these nice guy gentlemen who want to tell you that Barack Obama is a nice guy, we may have a different view on a few issues, but he's nice like you and me, and oh, he's not a Muslim, and oh, he's not a communist, and stop saying things like that. That's extreme and radical. All those guys go down to defeat, because guess what Democrats say about you, you jerks. They say that we are extreme, and mm-hmm. we're no good. Republicans hate anyone who's of color, and Republicans want women and children to starve in the streets. All these terrible things they could say, but we can't get away with anything back. That's the truth. God forbid we ever tell the truth. We're bad people. We can't ask a question about Barack Obama's background, which is extremely dangerous and, and uh, very questionable mm-hmm. and very mysterious, and yet if, if Harry Reid asks questions about Mitt Romney's taxes and makes up lies about them, which should have gotten him thrown in jail, literally, yeah. for committing a crime, for lying. Yeah. That's called fraud. That's okay, and nobody cares. Right. So you don't want to play journey. Well, then you're going to lose. Mitt Romney lost. So I think it all comes down to what I'm saying in my book, The Power of Relentless. Either you're going to fight for keeps to save this country, either you love it enough to fight for keeps and not, it's not like playing golf with Muffy at the country club. I'm sorry Republicans. This is not going to work. You're either going to fight hard and fight long and fight rough and play the game the way it's supposed to be played and bring a gun to a gunfight, or we're going to lose America. And I think Donald Trump's the one guy who's willing to do that.
1: Well, but, What's interesting to me is, is that I think Americans have tapped in to, uh, well, not tapped in. I mean, it's obvious now that that we've become practically a one party system and that neither party, you know, the American people gave the majority to the Republicans in November and they did nothing with it. So the American people are saying, you know what? We want an outsider now. We want somebody who's going to take a fight to D.C., like you said, and just be relentless. But then at the same time, now we've got this gentleman, Ben Carson, who's neck and neck even uh, over Trump at times. How do you explain that?
4: Well, listen, because he's just like uh, Donald Trump they're both the outsiders and they both say politically incorrect things at various times they both said what every normal thinking person who isn't an extreme liberal democrat is thinking which is gee I don't think I'd want a Muslim president of the United States gee I don't think it's a good idea Muslim mosques tied to radical Islam extremism if we find out that that's true that we should close the mosque Donald Trump said that today we've got to build a wall we should not accept any more Syrian refugees are you crazy are you self hating are you self-destructive? Do you want to destroy America? Do you want your children to get killed? What kind of an idiot who wants Syrian immigrants in our country? you got to be out of your mind. So to say those things, as recently as six months ago, made you a complete racist. You were called all kinds of terrible names, and now two guys running for president are saying those things, and the American public's going, I love it. And so, you know, look, my advice to Donald, and I, I have his ear to some extent, and I send him a lot of emails, and we talk back and forth. My advice is very simple. I don't know how much he listens to, but but I said a lot of advice and my advice is Ben Carson's the perfect running mate. I believe it should be a Trump Carson ticket, two outsiders, two non-politicians, one of them with an incredible big mouth and a New York attitude and the other one, the nicest guy in the world. Who's just a real Christian, nice doctor and the world's best brain surgeon, one white, one black, you know, everything about them is opposite. And that makes for a perfect team. And I think uh, Ben would, would help bring in a lot of votes from the minority community. Uh, you know, because he's just got the most amazing life story and i, I just wish donald would stop attacking ben there's no reason yeah. to do that yeah. i think it's a big mistake there's no reason to do it well and, but that's his, that's his relentless is,
1: that's his nature though as, as a winner yes, that he's just going to go after anybody who's in his way and anybody who's competing with him and you know because he wants to win and i you know i i can kind of admire that in a way, yeah, I, you know, I get it. I, I
4: don't have a I get it. Yeah. I'm from New York. I'm from the streets of New York, so I get it. Uh, and if he's anything like me, you know, I'm kind of the nicest, vicious guy you've ever met in your life. If you're mean to me, I will be vicious back. If you cut mm-hmm. my throat, I will slice yours. But afterwards, I want to become friends with you. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I went to a rough, almost 100% black high school in Malvern, New York, and and I fought for my life on a daily basis. And only after I won a few fights did I become friends and win the respect of all the kids that were fighting. So I learned that, and then I became their best buddies. Even though uh, weeks before they were trying to beat my brains in, Mm -hmm. I became best buddies with them. So if I know Donald, and he's got the same New York attitude that I do for the streets of New York, he's destroying Ben Carson to make sure that he himself, Donald, wins the nomination and then once he knows he's got the nomination he'll come back and become Ben Carson's best friend and and name him VP and go on the campaign trail with him itself don't even worry about the things I said about him because that's how you win an election folks I just said those things because I wanted to beat Ben now that I've beaten him I could tell you he's the greatest guy in the world the greatest brain surgeon in the world and the perfect VP that's what Donald's like and that's what I'm like so my guess is in the end ignore everything he says about Ben once Donald wins the nomination he becomes best friends with Ben Yeah,
1: well, hey, thank you for being a friend of the Andrea K. Show today. Tell everybody again about your book and where they can uh, find more about you, Wayne.
4: Yeah, the book, Andrea, is called The Power of Relentless. And Steve Forbes just called it one of the eight best books of 2015. So get it as a holiday gift. Uh, my website is Root for America. All my videos and commentary. Videos and commentaries are RootForAmerica.com. That's R-O-O-T-ForAmerica.com. And you can find out more about my book, The Power of Relentless, at the website as well. How do you remember it? It's what I do all day. I root for America.
1: Awesome. Thanks so much, Wayne. Have a great night. Thanks, Andrea. God bless. You too. Bye-bye. Hey, super fun interview with him. I love that guy's energy. I thought I had a lot of energy. I thought he's he's dynamite in a suit, that guy, Wayne Allen Root is. Woo! Um, you know, interesting ideas, like kind of really fresh ideas, if you think about it. He's one of the only people who said, you know what? A plan B. Donald should come up with a plan B for this idea about the deportation. Because remember, he had talked about a deportation group or or not police but um it it, which we we already have by the way it's called ice we already have people that are supposed to be deporting people who came into the country illegally but the donald kind of got a lot of flack for that idea in part because people said even if he could get get away with it legally it was just impractically not something he could do and i think wayne allen gave him, him a really clever idea in terms of a plan b for it which is to say fine stay here but you get nothing no benefits of any kind and you can never vote you remove the reasons for why they're here and they'll get on a bus themselves and go back to visit their family because many of them come here to make money so that they can send it back home to where their families are and you know if you take away the reasons for them to be here and they will go on their own so i actually think that's a very interesting idea i'm not sure i'm on board with him with the trump carson ticket Um, I'm still thinking I'm liking Trump Cruz because there's even Republicans who've bought into the falsehood, the notion that Obama's failures are due to his inexperience. And I think that we need an outsider at the top of the ticket. But I'm kind of liking somebody with a gravitas who understands the system from within and who can partner with him. Trump's always talking about how he's got to hire the right people, get the right people under him to help implement his ideas. And particularly given the fact that Trump's got some ideas that some people are saying kind of push the boundaries of the constitution i think cruz who knows the constitution and has argued on its behalf probably more than anybody currently serving i think is the guy to to help him and he's still got the identity thing going there because he's latino so you know i'm still i'm still liking that ticket i think carson's very vulnerable and um that's kind of my take on that speaking of trump he had some interesting comments about um ISIS And he said today that that the U.S. and its allies in response to what's happened after Paris, he said the U.S. and the allies should be hitting the terrorist funding streams on the oil and the banking fronts. He's the only one talking about that. So, you know, immediately I'm hearing today this morning, even Republicans saying, you know what, people might stop taking such a good look at Trump because he doesn't have the experience. Hillary has got the experience, even though it's horrible experience and it's resulted in the Middle East being under you know radical islamist control and americans dead hey it's experience right um nobody's talking about this we need to be hitting them on the oil and the banking fronts he he needs to be partnering with anonymous who's hitting them on the cyber front um we also now know reports come out thanks to judicial watch what would we do without judicial watch i mean these are the people that are doing the job for the journalist The press, which are supposed to be free, they were supposed to be one of the critical checks and balances on our system by holding our our elected officials accountable. Although, hat tip today for some of the journalists who tried to hold Obama's feet to the fire today in that presser and oh, did not like it one bit. Oh, you keep asking me the same question different ways. Well, that's because the number one question on people's mind is your ineptitude, you're enabling, you're encouraging, and you're emboldening the enemy. So, no, you didn't want to answer any questions there. We now find out, thanks to Judicial Watch, that the FBI confirms that they are over a thousand active probes involving the Islamic State here. Now, remember, the Islamic State is only one of the fraternities on frat row that are trying to take us down. We actually was reported today that in the case of Kunduz which was one of the towns in afghanistan that our military gave up blood and treasure for was retaken by the islamist there were over 1500 foreign fighters in that battle recently in september in various groups it involved al-qaeda isis the anti-chinese east Turkestan islamic movement quite a mouthful there and the islamic movement of uzbekistan i got this information from i believe it was doug kaiser posted this on my wall Too many Americans are getting caught up in the name game of the groups. Oh, it's all about ISIS, and it's just a handful of people. They're buying into that Obama thing. It's just a JV squad. This is a global movement. I don't care what names they call themselves. It's all under the umbrella of the Quran and Islam. That's what it is about. Over a 1,000 investigations with the FBI right now just involving one of the frats here in this country. So to every American out there, as I started the show talking about All the Americans saying, oh, my gosh, we got to stop it from happening here. I saw somebody posted on Facebook tonight after Scott McKay's article about how one of the refugees is already missing in Baton Rouge. Oh, and so it begins. It already began. This war against us began decades ago. In fact, I think it actually even started before Americans were held hostage for 444 days by the same ideology. This goes all the way back since... Islam first came onto the scene around the world. Americans need to wake up. Stop living in denial. Stop worrying about whether or not it's going to happen here and realize it already is happening here. We need to stand with America, not a one world government. We don't need to stand with other nations. We need to get back to leading the world, being the greatest force for good in the world and the only superpower left in the world. We need to put a president in office in 2016 who is going to fund our military back up to the levels where it should be and stop all this political correctness. And we need elected officials willing to say Islam is the enemy. They are not a religion. They not are not going to get uh, protections as a religion. They're a political system, and they are not going to get a foothold into this country. Hey, I'm going to be. Got to shift gears real quick. I'm hosting again, filling in for Dr. Gina this Thursday and Friday night on America uh, America Trends TV. That's on YouTubeAmerica.com. Since many of you don't get the the channel on your cable provider, that's Thursday and Friday. America Trends TV on YouTubeAmerica.com. I'm going to be also on Craig's Sewing Show tomorrow night from 6 to 7 and then I'm also going to be on his TV show Saturday so I got a lot of appearances coming up so check my Facebook wall for that love you all have a great night follow me on Twitter at Andrea K show and je m'appelle Andrea and je suis American
5: The Andrea K Show on AM 1170 The Answer is sponsored
2: by Andrea K